first discussion recorded as a podcast uh, between me, Judah McNeil, and I'm here with Ford Sue's the renowned surfing, the surfing violinist on YouTube. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, man? Not too bad. I, uh, the thought that came to my mind was as we, um, we, we, we do reverse redaction of art. Uh, I couldn't think of a word for re what's the reverse of redaction like uh, you know redaction is yeah. you I don't know uncovering or yeah I mean yeah. I, what would be the reverse of that so yeah no I think that's kind of an interesting idea there's oh, yeah. a lot of redaction been going on and you know uh, literary criticism and yeah well, we're already we're seeing it in the political sphere with uh, monuments so I mean exactly we're yeah. just trying to we're trying to redact history and I think that's a that's a pretty dangerous thing because you can't learn from the mistakes of the past, uh, and it just paints with this very broad brush. And you know, a person is good or evil. You know, the weird thing is, I feel like you know Christians used to be the most guilty of that uh, with uh, artists or musicians. Like you know, someone would say, "Oh, well, this person was living a sinful life, therefore we shouldn't listen to him." You know, so mm -hmm. it's like we listen to Bach and Handel, that's good, but I don't know about this uh, Tchaikovsky guy or. You know, so I, that's I think that's an absurd way to look at history that, you know, you just redact a whole human being because uh, you don't you know align with their views or they did something that you disagree with. Um, or, you know, even if they're immoral, like um, you can still learn stuff from people who are immoral or, or do bad things. Um, you can learn from their mistakes. You can learn from their sins. So, yeah, I don't I'm not a fan of redaction in any form. It's just censorship, you know. Yeah, exactly. Censorship. I think that's great. Um, uh, what, uh, so when you there was something you said there. Oh, yeah. So as we talk about history, of course, we're not going to be talking about history too much. I'm sure we'll bring it in. But right. what do you what do you think about the idea that? Um, and I know we want to get to a certain topic, but I think it's good to sort of set it up. Um, what do you think of the what? What is that phrase that history is written by those who hung uh, heroes? Yeah, the winners or those who hung heroes or wh whatever, you know, several uh, quotes like that. Oh, well, see, I haven't heard that one about the the hung heroes. Uh, interesting. So so how I does think, that one go? I think that, I think that was Braveheart or something. History was written by those who hung heroes. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and the one that I think of is winners write the history books. So, mm. yeah, you know, there and I think there is the tendency, you know, to either have a pessimistic view of history or a too optimistic view of history where we just say, oh, well, whoever won is the one that's writing the history or uh, mm -hmm. whoever cheated is the one that's writing the history. And, you know, if they won, they probably cheated. So, uh, yeah, you know, you don't want to take things at face value. You want to be able to uh, be open mindedly critical uh, just because somebody won or just because somebody wrote the book on something you don't want to just take it at face value but i think we've gone to another extreme where we're just starting to uh we're smarter than the the person there we think um, right it's, it's almost like 
you know, if you have racism, ethnocentrism, uh, nationalism, well, you got chronocentrism, you know, people that think that the present is better than the past, but don't understand why, you know, like yeah. you know, they're still benefiting from the sacrifices and errors of the past. Um, you know, I was walking, doing a walk the other day and the garbage man drove by and I was like, you know, Western society sits on the back of the garbage man. We talk about soldiers all the time, but what about the garbage man? You know, I mean, as yeah. been in certain countries where, uh, you know, garbage is, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the most, uh, the, the best infrastructure for dealing with garbage. And you think that that's just something we take for granted, but you know, there's a whole history that led up to the garbage man and we don't thank the garbage man, you know, we just kind of mm. you know, just take them for granted. Uh, there's yeah. so many, you know, the power grid, we don't thank the dudes that keep the power grid going. Um, you know, so there's so many things we take for granted that, that we're inhabiting a present that is, uh, subsidized by the mistakes and suffering of the past, you know? So when we redact, we start redacting stuff, um, or when we start questioning everything that's, you know, every historical narrative, uh, and saying, well, it's all just language and language is power and mm -hmm. words have, you know, uh, reality doesn't have meaning. We imbue it with meaning by our words. That's just stupid. And it's just, I mean, none of us believe that in real life, you know, yeah. but, but when it comes to art, when it comes to history, we do that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, somebody once, a good friend of mine once said that art is, is like a mirror, except instead of reflecting, reflecting our reflection, it reflects our context or something like that. Like the world at, mm. in that moment, like in time. So right. it's, it's very uh, tied into uh, to time and, you know, zeitgeist type stuff. Um, I think it's fascinating that, you know, as you're talking about like these unsung stories, lives, you know, that the very important lives, um, just in, in our lives, we're going to, we're going to be the first generation that pretty much has like every square inch of our lives documented or uh, many of us will, some of us won't. Right. I mean, there's a right. lot, but our kids are going to be able to see so much more of our lives. This podcast, you know, is something that 10 years ago or you know, 20, when I was a kid, right. I would, I, history has never been written. So I don't know, uh, with the ability to actually experience it like we can now with video and audio. Right. Definitely. Everything's being preserved. And, you know, I mean, you think, and so much of it is being becoming more real, you know, people have a reason now it's like, okay, well maybe nobody ever listens to this, but at least we have a document of it. Whereas before, and I would say it's still, we're, we're still in the throes of trying to cast off this old way of seeing things, but before everything was show business. I mean, yeah. you think you listen to, I mean, radio talk shows today are still show business. You know, I mean, yeah. when you turn on the morning radio and local radio or, uh, or big city radio, it's just, it, yuck, yuck, yuck. you know, yeah. it's just this yeah. kind of absurd, uh, heightened version of reality. And, uh, you know, so much of entertainment and media has been that, you know, Neil Postman talked about it in Amusing Ourselves to Death, uh, that, mm. you know, everything when you when as soon as we got radio, and then on top of that TV, as soon as everything was televised, it became a show, it became mm. an, a form of entertainment. So news was not has never actually been news. It's been entertainment in the guise of news, you know, it's, yeah. and well, just even the whole concept of news, it's, it's uh, this ephemeral thing where uh, it's, it's always kind of just looking out, you know, trying to give people what you think they want, you know, and that's right. That's a you, show showbiz element, you know? Yeah. You've talked about that. Uh, uh, what do you say? And now this, or what? And now this. Yeah. yeah and now this. 
postman yeah. says and amusing ourselves to death you know it's like oh you know here's uh uh 70 people died in some massacre and now here's a picture of a kitten you know mm -hmm. like there's no context you know but right. like and i think uh like that's what art's supposed to be like you said it's supposed to reflect the context of the person uh, and also respect some uh, reflect something higher you know so mm. there's a, another world that's that's hidden from the news or that's hidden mm. from show business that uh, art is trying to get at you know there, there's some a bigger picture you know Oof, that I, that's perfect i think that's what we're trying to do here is uh get to that bigger picture all right um so in doing that one uh the uh, art piece that I want to discuss today was the new um, Blade Runner. I think it's called Blade Runner 2054. What was it called? Uh, 2049. Yeah, 2049. 2049. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got it totally wrong. <laughs> but um, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Blade Runner in general, uh, like the the original one, um, and now this one, is sort of, uh, I, well, I think more of the original is such a groundbreaking piece. Right. Um, as far as taking film noir and and the, the two genres of film noir and sci-fi and bringing them together to give this real human, well, uh, a real look at humanity, you know. Right. Um, uh, so, what, what, how did you feel about the new one? First of all, did you like the old? Did you like the original one? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. Like when I first watched it, I mean, I was caught up in the hype. Um, it mm -hmm. was one of those delayed viewings i can't remember when i saw it i didn't see it uh for years you know, so i caught up with it really late um i liked it when i saw it i saw the i can't remember if it was the uncut or the final cut the director's cut of the final there's like three different cuts yeah. so it was it was the one of the longer ones that did not have harrison ford's narration which is horrible harrison ford's narration is terrible it's not his fault it's just you know the execs didn't mm. have faith in their source material and, and so they just massacred that movie uh, when they okay. put it in the theaters. And so his narration is all exposition. It telling oh, you everything man. you're seeing on stage. So I saw that version right before we went back and watched 2049. Okay. So maybe that version put a bad taste in my mouth about it. But uh, it's to me, it feels very dated, the original. I know this oh. is like sacrilege to say this, but when you go back and watch it, Vangelis's um, soundtrack, the guy who did uh, Chariots yeah. of Fire soundtrack, uh, it's just so so overpowering and so 80s feeling like yeah. i mean it's retro cool now but i don't know i mean i just it became a joke for me every time there was a vangelis moment i would just say vangelis <laughs> i watched it because it's just it's so brazenly 80s scent you know yeah, yeah. And it just it just kind of overpowered now it fits the mood a lot right. uh but it, the movie is just mostly mood um yes. so i'm one of those I'm one of those heretics that prefers, I, I feel like Prometheus and um, Blade Runner have a similar sort of thing. You know, there's an android inhabiting yeah. the alien universe. Uh, and there's, uh, so there's that whole dynamic, uh, you know, questioning the, the, the creator and all that stuff. So for me, I actually prefer Prometheus. And so that's, that's heresy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, hmm. so, uh, we're going to have to shut this down. <laughs> I know. Right. So, no, Blade Runner to me is just, it's just all, uh, it's just too much showbiz. Um, all right, yeah. so you so you really preferred the new one. I did prefer the new one. Yeah, I'm in the minority on that as well. So, uh, yeah, w w I guess we'll get into it. But, yeah, so for me, Blade Runner, the original is, uh, is just one of those 
you know, hipster indie cult classic things that people like because it wasn't successful and it's not as good as everyone wants to make it out to be. That's that's where I am on that yeah. whole score. It's just it's very I mean, it is art. I'm not saying it's not art. I mean, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. it's thinking sci-fi that's uh that's you know better than your typical generic stuff, but I, I don't think it's without its problems, and I think it's a little bit full of itself. So I, I agree, and and uh, particular in the sense that it's uh, that it's full of itself and that it's dated. It, I mean, there, right. there's there's I mean, as we talk about art being a, a reflection of you know our time, uh, it's hard to get away from anything really revealing, really having aspects to it that just feel stodgy to us in the future you know right. well and the, and the fact that blade runner the original is set in 2017 or something like that so that <laughs> yeah. when you watch it you're like oh well we're not there i mean it's not that dystopian and it's not that technological um yeah and then yeah. It, it, I, and, and for me philip k dick just has there's so much more that that guy has to mm -hmm. offer uh mm -hmm. he's probably one of the smartest minds of the last century and i absolute madman like i've got this book back over here mm. let me show you this this is his book the ex i just got the book cover off the exegesis of philip k dick and it's these oh. uh notes that he wrote back in the 70s this dude is just working on another plane i you know it's it's just some crazy new age quasi-christian uh jungian philosophy and he was he said he was in commune with the Holy Spirit manifesting mm. itself. It, it's just, it's it kind of reads like the diary of a madman, but there's stuff in there that's just, it's very probing. I mean, it's like reading uh, what I imagine Aldous Huxley later stuff was when he was experimenting with mescaline. Like this, wow. this guy is just very, it's just very interesting. Um, it'll throw you for a loop. What, what, like, his, give me an example of something like what, what is it that, that, uh, let's, that's let's so interesting? Can, I mean, are you saying one. it's interesting? Are you saying that it, that it made you, uh, it made you better in some way? Well, yeah, I think, I think it just makes you look at the world in a different way. And I think mm. that's what Philip K. Dick's best sci-fi, like even his short stories, uh, they do. They make you just think about stuff in a different sense. And some of his short stories are just, you know, I don't know. I think they're actually better than do um android's dream of electric sheep which became blade runner um mm -hmm. and i can't really find this but it's just some it's it's some weird stuff where he incorporates hindu philosophy thought uh a lot mm. of this Jungian kind of just analyzing stuff i mean he comes up with new words to describe uh the nature of reality and you know who god is uh he wrote this book called ubik and uh, I haven't read it, and I think that that would probably be a good place to start. But there's just this notion that, you know, Blade Runner is, you know, the depths or heights of what science fiction can be. Right. And, like, that's just that's just scratching the surface of what what Dick was doing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, so, what, I, what I really appreciated about the original and what I appreciated about, and I think it, it led into the new one, was this, I thought this perfect in between space where it showed this human space between authority and uh and anarchy so it's not anarchy right like uh, harrison right. force character what's his name um uh decker yeah decker um he's not he's not an anarchist he's just a regular joe i mean a, a typical this is such a typical harrison ford I mean, yes, that's just him, definitely. you know, he, everything right. he plays, it, it, he plays it so well. It's this human, and I, 
and I, I saw some stuff about whether or not he's a human or an android, and and, and there is an interesting argument. Yeah, the moment but, in 2049, there was a moment where it was like, are they saying he's an android? Like, well, and there's still argument. Actually, um, uh, who's the director again? Uh, villain Villanueva, uh, Dennis Villanueva. Of the no, 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 of the, the old. Oh, Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah, Ridley Scott. So there's a there's an argument between Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford in which Ridley Scott says he was an android, and oh, Harrison Ford said he was human. Um, oh. So I, I tend to side more with the human uh, aspect of it because it's uh, to me it's this um, this beautiful space dystopian space, yes, but it brings out sort of the the raw humanness between anarchy and and authoritarianism you know right so so he's just trying to make his bones you know he's sort of pushed around by both sides he sympathizes with both sides right but he ends up he can still kill this thing that he sympathizes and has deep emotions for in the original so so this idea of because i mean i think that's what film noir does so well you know that's what film noir is to me is the regular joe who has some cleverness has right. something to offer to the world but he's not a cop and he's not a bad guy he's somewhere in between you right know? He's, in which he is interacting with those two and sort of playing them against each other at some at some points you know right but, yeah it, yeah i just think as a film noir goes like it it only succeeds because it has the sci-fi element to it like i think uh you know, as oh, this, I mean, here's an interesting thought about redaction and, mm. uh, and, uh, you know, what we're we reverse redaction. Yeah, so, you know, I think Chinatown is probably the best modern film noir, which is, of course, mm. problematic because of who made it, Roman Polanski. I mean, we're dealing with this whole thing with the, uh, what's his name, the Miramax dude, uh, Weinstein, um, yeah. you know, and, but that has been a history that Hollywood with, with people like Woody Allen and Roman Polanski who've had these scandals follow them and, Everyone in the industry just seems to be like, eh, you know, like they're they're willing to redact the history, you know, like, oh, we'll just not talk about that when it's one mm-hmm. of their own. But yeah. then they want to go and turn around with anybody else who's on a different side of the political spectrum. And we want you know excise everything about that. But, you know, it is hard yeah. to talk about film noir, modern film noir without Chinatown, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, is working on a whole nother level in terms of, uh, you know, an- analyzing that 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 narrative, that dichotomy you know the the guy that's kind of out of society and you know the he's a hero that can can kind of slip through the cracks and it doesn't Mm -hmm. work you know in chinatown um Mm -hmm. you know when uh the you know it's it's a convenient myth but it doesn't actually work in the real world like um Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't know so uh and then the other thing the problematic part uh from from a social standpoint would be the the sex scene in Blade Runner is very awkward. You know, when mm-hmm. he finally, you know, it does seem almost like a rape scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and that's, and that's a, again, one of those things that's kind of, that's an area of art that's not allowed to be explored because, you know, human sexuality is, is more, you know, I've heard some uh, Jordan B. Peterson talking about this in a podcast with Camille Paglia the other day. And they were saying how, you know, it's getting to the point now where, the sexual contract between, uh, you know, two uh, consenting adults will end up being like, okay, at every step of the way, you're going to pull out a piece of paper and, and say, sign here. We're about yeah. to make the next step. Sign here. You know, like right. it's going to reduce 
uh, human emotion and physicality to this banal sort of, uh, you know. <laughs> well, so. and that's what happens when you break down uh, constructs of, of morality in society, you know, right. the, uh, well, moral society. Right. The, is you have to have that sort of thing. If you don't have the constructs that that umbrella of um, righteousness to sort of fall back on, right, and to right. live within, you know, right. But at a certain point, you know, it's like religious people were the ones that were guilty of this before, typically. Right. And now it's getting to the point where it's like I, I don't even know who's more religious anymore. It's getting to the point yeah. where it's like we can't even have art that's exploring things that are on this like. Uh, you know, line, like, you know, right. we need to think about these lines. We need to yeah. think about where's how far is too far. If we act like scribes and Pharisees of old who say, no, we got a fence here because if you walk too far this way, you're going to fall off the cliff. This, this fear of slippery slopes. I mean, art cannot have those fear of slippery slopes. Right. So, um, yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, and I think when it comes to the sexual aspect, I, I really like 2049 because I think, um, it, it really kind of holds up a mirror to male, uh, you know, you know, everyone's talking about how males are over, you know, in the, in the culture right now, males are overpowering, mm -hmm. you know, the, that, uh, you know, how vulnerable women are and how the patriarchy sitting on women, there's rape, rape culture and all this. Uh, but this one kind of does a good job of showing how, how vulnerable men are to manipulation that this yeah. man falls victim to a marketing campaign. And that scene at the end, and this is true. I mean, any male knows just, or, or maybe not be aware just of how easily we are seduced by nothing. Yes. That there is just an image and we fall for it. And, and in the movie, most males, I bet you watching it, fall for it. Because when there's that yep. scene where the girls are, like the girl is, the fake, you know, computer generated girl is on top of the other girl. Yeah. Like that is one of the most sensual things I've ever seen on screen without even actually showing you any skin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just uncomfortable. Like yeah. I, I haven't watched porn in, in 10 years and like that, that made me feel like I was a teenager again. And yeah. I knew it was all fake. I knew that that woman was a fake. I knew that was a prostitute, but they make you, it simulates mm -hmm. real like, Oh, this is Adam and Eve getting together. This is like the, you know, the true consummation of human love and that the movie turns it all on its head at the end when mm -hmm. he sees that, that she's just an ad and yeah and that is just a heartbreaking moment and gosling destroys this role i mean yeah. he just absolutely that moment i mean just the look on his face mm -hmm. uh most people would try to like level it up you know and weep or something like that and he's just I mean, just reduced to nothing. And well, okay, so, so that would be. I guess that's where I had a difficulty. I thought he really did well with the role, but I never, <clears throat> I was never tricked into thinking he was human. Oh, interesting. I, I, I never. Yeah. I, I never. No, I mean, like, I bought, I bought the whole twist, but I never saw in him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I never saw like he never showed me that he was human. Like I bought the storyline, uh, gotcha. but I never saw anything. He, he was so, he was just always reduced to this like Eeyore nothing, you know? Right. Well, as an Eeyore nothing, I, I could see myself in him and, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, no, I, I believed it. Uh, yeah. when, when he found out, whoo, big spoilers, we're, we're getting 
Oh, right. Spoiler Sorry. Redact that lack of spoiler. <laughs> Insert here. Um, but yeah, when he, when they said, oh, you know, we all, like, I didn't believe her. But, you know, we all think that we're the one. Okay. Uh, I, I actually thought, he, I was like, no, she's lying to you. You're really him. You're really Joe. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go and speaking of redaction, I'll go and uh, edit this so that uh, beyond this point, there will be spoilers if anybody's listening. Right. Be warned, we are going to talk uh, spoilers. Uh, well, well, before we do that, what what is your overall take? Uh, give me your, you know. Uh, two- I think the movie goes a little bit off the rails in the last act. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, it suffers for me, at least, from a little bit of the same thing that uh, The Force Awakens suffered from with uh, having these old legends on screen again. It feels like a, you know, a reunion that just does, I don't know. It just feels yeah. a little like, uh, it's not that Harrison's bad. Uh, you know, Harrison is a legend, but it's just, <laughs> so often Harrison just does not want to be there. He's doing his job. And I, I don't know. There's just moments where, and it fits kind of because, because his character doesn't want to be there. He's just doing, mm-hmm. you know, he's just trying to survive. Um, but I don't know. The last, I was a little bit confused by the way that last fight went down. Yeah. Like, you know, it's in the future. They're able to track everything. Does, uh, mm-hmm. you know, buddy boy, um, Jared Leto's character not realize that the the shuttle is not making it there? Like, I, I was a little bit just like, shouldn't someone be showing up after yeah. uh, Ryan character comes to show? So I, I feel like there's it gets a little muddy. Um, yeah. As far as Dennis Villanueva's films go, I feel like it's on the weaker side of the like when you start analyzing the seams, they don't they don't line up as well as like prisoners or or uh, incendies or the new one arrival. But mm-hmm. um, but it, it's it's a much more ambitious movie than any of those are. It's really trying to do a lot. I think. Yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah. Yeah. So and I don't know if. Oh man, I don't know. I, I like the economic uh, commentary. You know of yeah. this kind of. Uh, corporal fascist control uh you know i need more i need more slaves mm-hmm. i and you know just the analysis of if you keep taking capitalism in the way that it is incarnated in these dystopian you know worlds like yeah. that form of capitalism i don't think it's capitalism and i think that's the mistake a lot of these um you know, films, they, they kind of equate it with capitalism. It's not capitalism. It's corporate fascist consumerism. Yeah. You know, and when you let, a, you know, one company get too big, um, well, that's just basically a government at that point. I mean, right. You know, it's, it's the, uh, British empire. It's the British, uh, what is it, East India company. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that was a, that was a corporation, yeah. but it wasn't a capitalist corporation. It was a government sponsored sanctioned corporation yeah. that was subsidized, uh, by slave labor like that's that's a whole it, different thing and it's not so much that we let a company get too big it's we or whatever it's the fact that um government gets in bed with a company exactly. they, and and they they meld together and they become this unholy mixture and you right. it's hard to tell which one they they're just they just where one each stops other. and the other yeah begins. yeah it's impossible um, to tell yeah so uh what grade would you give this movie um Ooh, okay. Well, I, on the star rating system, I'd probably give it four. No, on your on your rating system. Oh, oh, emoticonometer. I would give it. Uh, 
Man, I you know, I feel like it would be one of those ones I'd have to give a new emoticon to. Uh, it's mm. one of those like thinking emoticons where, uh, with a side of uh, someone hit, hit me in the stomach with a mm. hammer. You know, like it's just it it is. A, I, I think it is. I still think it qualifies as thinking sci-fi. Um, it might be a little more generic uh, than it is. It is more generic than Blade Runner was. Mm-hmm. For me, that's fine because I actually like genre films. I just want mm-hmm. them to be good. Mm-hmm. I think Blade Runner 2049 is good. Um, I think the original Blade Runner was a genre film. It was a noir film. Uh, and I think as that genre, like I think people miss that and they think of it as, you know, really thinking sci-fi. I think it was a noir film with sci-fi on top. And for me, it didn't didn't work as well as everyone thinks it does. Okay, so uh, I, I agree. I, for me... I walked away from the movie the rest of the night. I couldn't stop thinking about the movie. So as a piece of art, I think I, you know, I give it an a as far as getting into my soul and really messing with my thoughts. Right. Uh, And I think it got into my soul through the visuals and the music. You know, you talked, you talk about the, um, the synth, of of the original one i felt like the the ambient music of this yes of this movie just uh and i've been paying attention more to movies lately and and shows and and to see like because you forget like you're just listening to some music right like that doesn't happen in real life but they you know just to see how directors manipulate emotions with the music and you know with this with the synthesis uh, with this uh bringing together the music and the scene at the same to synthesizing those two elements. Right. I felt like uh, Villanueva did so well. Oh, it was that. masterful. Like oh it, I, it was, I mean, the sound design and music are so much better than the original. Cause the original, so in your face with the scent, what yeah. they do with this, they use sound effects as synth. Yes. You know, they use, they use sound effects as music where you can't tell if the wah is, is an actual synth or, yeah. you know, or a orchestra hit or if it's some sound effect in this mechanical world. Right. Is this like, I, I remember at one scene, I think when he, he, when he goes to the outworld or wherever he, to find, um, uh, to, to find Harrison Ford, I, there was exactly that. You hear this like in the background, this, and you just think, well, is this just some kind of huge generator? That's, it could be anything right. In, in this world. And, and um, so it's, it's perfect ambient music uh, that, synthesizes so well with the scenes and the timing of the movie it, it, it was long but right. i felt like that you have the the patience that this movie had up until the end i i would say right um, I, I felt like the, there was about there was three acts and the that third act was a little it was rushed and i think that my major criticism with the movie was that at the that it, it when it took the so, so the twist that you're kind of working towards or you're working through is a slow twist that he is the, he's the son, right? That right. He's, he's the prodigy, what's the word? <laughs> the pro- progeny, Pro- right? Right. Yeah. Uh, of, of this, this coming together of man and machine. Um, so the twist, the second twist that he's not, you know, and I, I was sort of, a, oh, what <laughs> you know for me um for me the most emotional moment i think and it was in it was in the middle of the third act where it just starts to get a little bit you know kind of uh-huh. going all over the place is when 
that one android, that really ambitious female android who just kills everybody, she breaks. Yes, the she thing. steps on it, and she says, and she, and she you says, like thank, "Thank you for using our product for enjoying uh, our product." Yes. And you know when the girl says "I love you," you, yes. you believe her. You yes. believe her. You're like, oh, you do. Yeah, I do. I do love you. Now I have heard people say that this is very analogous to her. I haven't seen her with Joaquin Phoenix, um, who you know, where he falls in love with Scarlett Johansson's voice. She's a computer. Uh, you know. Oh, her. The movie Her. Yeah, the movie Her. Yeah. So I'm. Interesting. That I haven't seen have it been, That may have been explored better in that film. Mm. I don't know. But for me, I felt like it fit really well in the Blade Runner universe because talking, I mean, the first one is very concerned with male female relations, Mm -hmm. uh, the use of these androids as sex toys. And so, and and this, you know, it takes the the sex toy thing to another level where she's not just a sex toy, she's actually like his wife. Yeah. I mean, it almost, and there's an emotional connection there. Yeah. It it takes it almost to a moral level, you know, where it says like before it's just kind of a toy where this, it, it brings it, it gives it some dignity and says, you know, this is, they're not just toys, but, but actual, they, you know, they are, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's his wife. He is, he has a monogamous relationship with her. Right. And, and it's just scary again, how easy men yeah. Like, you know, people talk about, you know, like how powerful men are. Well, women have known this and smart women have known this for a long time. Men are very easy to yeah. manipulate with visuals, very easy to manipulate with inflection, with tone of voice. A woman can conquer a man with a look, yeah. you know, uh, and so uh, that this movie shows that. And I bought it like that. The girl who played, you know, the the role of the. Man the holographic projection did a fantastic job of just of making you believe her and so when she crushes that and turns to him and says thank you for using our product you're like wow oh gosh wow. i'm, I'm such a tool yeah it, uh well i would really be interested to talk to women about that what they thought about that moment yeah right? you know I like agree. did they did they feel for ryan gosling in that moment did they feel for the computer program or did they just be like what an idiot like he's he's in love with this hologram but, but i mean but the thing is is it, it does bring the question of could it be that she's more than a hologram well and that's that raises that whole question do androids dream of electric sheep you yeah know, did she somehow break did their love you know whatever that means did, but did their relationship create something that superseded that broke through the 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 restraints of you know electricity you know, right. of of coding and um, that that gets i mean yep. because it, because in the reality it did right i mean right. i mean in the reality of the show like that his his heart was broken her heart right. was broken yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I feel like just from a generic storytelling, again, I'm not I'm a fan of genre. Okay. So from a genre storytelling perspective, I think that moment much much better articulates that do androids dream of electric sheep idea than the yes, first one when you have when you have them um because it's just when Daryl Hannah is dying and yeah. what's his name? Uh Paul Bettany. It's not Paul Bettany, but yeah. <laughs> Rupert, what is his name? Rupert something like it. Anyways, uh, when that guy Rupert Mur- no, Rupert is it Rupert? Rupert Mur- no. Uh oh, whatever, the main dude. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just everything is very theatrical in that movie and very heightened. And I mean they are androids, so they're acting a little weird and everything. But yeah. like they have a real emotional moment. Like he has a real emotional moment saying goodbye to his android love. Yeah. And 
So, but I just I felt it was more showbiz over the top, you know. Uh, yeah. So I, I I thought in this moment, like I bought it. Like when she says, "I love you," I'm like. Okay, and so yeah. after that point, I feel like it took uh it took a spiral down. Not 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 okay. I don't know how to spiral. I just felt like it gradually just got. Uh, started to unravel as far as my interest because instead of taking that moment and either go either going like he just goes into a rage and it becomes a war movie you know and and you really dive into the the male like you know that that gritty that uh you know you just go instead of committing to that you know his human like you know the revenge aspect or they could have gone the opposite way more of what you're talking, more of what you got out of it, I think, is go more into this, like, like really dig deeper into and go deeper into this idea of like this was all just a, a hoax, you know. I think they right. they kind they said it, they said it like briefly, but they didn't explore, they didn't dig deep into. Well, it. there is something wrong with that whole car fight in the water scene. Like it yeah. just it just doesn't thematically or action wise fit what he's going like i just i don't know yeah. it's just it's just an odd fight between him and the i don't know i have to think about it some more maybe there's something there i'm just not extracting from it but um i did like the denouement i did i did like the part with him on the steps um uh, it's just it's heartbreaking i don't okay. know I mean, Here, here's here's my problem with um with that is harrison ford's character to me even though he's deckard right they call him deckard like I don't really understand his role. Like, so he runs in and sees his daughter. Mm. Okay. So what, what does that, how does that move the story? How does that change the world in which, you know, what did this all, of course, like, if you want to just say, it's just like, he just hugs her and this is just, it's all, you know, effed, you know, this is just a big, you know, uh, it's just, um, I mean, I think, I, you know, Villanueva is all about the human connection. I mean, almost every film is about human connection. So Incendies, uh, at the end of that film, is it Incendies? Is that the name of it? I'm pretty sure it's called Incendies. It's uh, this mother. Oh, my gosh. That movie is a, a, a gut thumper. Never um, seen it. But yeah, you should definitely watch that one. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what put him on the map. Um, okay. But there, it is about love overcoming personal baggage um and so i think Mm. here here it is about mary getting to talk to jesus you know like that's that's what that moment is like um mary visiting christ on the cross i guess but like maybe in a different in a different you know universe where who's mary uh harrison ford so i mean he's he's the he's the there is this the connection there between father and daughter and um being able to you know she's actually realizes she's not alone like this is the the future hope of the of his daughter yeah yeah Yeah, but they show like two seconds of his daughter and they don't show their reunion well yeah again because this isn't this is the story of an android who's on the outside Uh you know who is just who is not you know the chosen one but he is dreaming of electric sheep you know he is dreaming of 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 something bigger i think it would have to me it would have been much him laying down and watching the snow okay it's beautiful and i've had moments like that with snow you know like but uh to it it, 
it didn't tie into the into the plot into the story oh, for well me. it does it does and the reason why it does is because uh we are trained by hollywood this is a very countercultural film we are trained by hollywood to believe that we are the master of our own universe that mm. we are the hero the world needs and this movie is saying you know sometimes uh in in a certain narrative you're second fiddle Wow. There has to be a garbage man. There has to be a second violinist. Yeah. There has to be a janitor who cleans up after the performance. Uh, not everyone is the conductor and not everyone is the concert master. So, uh, but how does I it say that, that by him just laying on, wouldn't it say, wouldn't it have said that much better by showing him like wanting to be part of the reunion and then just like, Oh shit. I'm not, I'm not part of this, you know, and just, you know, like being on the outside, like it doesn't show, it doesn't show him on the outside to me. It just shows him more of what you said before, just reduced to nothing. Well, I don't think he is reduced to nothing. I think the in the snow element, uh, just it's, it's an affirmation that you do not have to be the savior of the universe in order to appreciate your role in it. That, mm -hmm. you know, he can sit there and he, he's gone through hell. Mm -hmm. you know for this um because you know what was the main conflict and it kind of got lost there what was the main conflict in that whole fight was well if they get deckard they're gonna find the girl so you know in him saving deckard like he is helping to save the girl um, is he though but like it seems to me like he just brought doom to the girl by bringing like how does this help anything well, he by, brought by by bringing deckard to the girl like he basically brought, uh, you know, uh, the whole point was to keep Deckard away from the girl, right? Uh, well, I mean, that's what, hmm. yeah, that's like, what does it, it get a little muddy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, I really, like, at the in the end, I'm left with, well, what's, like, oh, I understand if they're building towards a um, a sequel, you know, and, and maybe, but, but then the sequel, then it's just, if you're building towards a sequel, then you all, all of a sudden have to shift into like Deckard's character, you know, and you well, guys are okay. running. Here's no, here's, here's what it's going on. So they're all trying to use her as a tool of a revolution. Mm -hmm. He's seeing her as he saw himself. And yeah. so when in, and bringing the dad to her, like he, he got to meet his dad Yeah. in the, in the, uh, you know, he got to meet Harrison Ford and thought it was his dad. He had yeah. got to have that moment for him. Yeah. It was emotionally resonant and worth it because he, as an individual, wanted to have this closure. So he was thinking as the child in that, you know, in that memory, yeah. memory, mm -hmm. he was thinking this kid wants to know that they're not alone and that they do have a past. Um, so it's not. You know, rather than thinking of her as a tool of revolution, he's thinking of her as a human being. Okay. And so in doing that, he is affirming his own humanity. Yes. You know? yes. So he, he refuses to be, and again, I think it, I don't know, I think it ties into Villanueva's whole purpose that, you know, when I think about the end of Blade Runner, I mean, the end of Blade Runner, what is that about? Yeah. <laughs> what is it about? It's about this android teaching Deckard yeah. what it means to be human. Mm. You know, that's what the whole point is. Like his his final stand is not about you know some revolution or something like that it's him having mercy on deckard and saying yeah you know go and do yeah. likewise you know go and have some mercy on other androids you know yeah yeah um so i i don't know i think it does fit it feels muddy but it's because the world is muddy and that's i true. you know and blade runner 2049 uh that's a 
it's a despicable place, you know? I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a sad yeah. world. And so I don't know. I think it does work. I just, I do feel like maybe it, maybe it's one of those things that requires unpacking. It's certainly, mm. uh, it's certainly not an easy genre film. I mean, it's yeah. doing terrible at the box office. It's getting killed. Um, yeah. And whoa, it wasn't an expensive movie. I mean, you can just see the money <laughs> being burned on screen yeah. and you're just like, this is not gonna, I mean, this is a, this is it's fulfilling the prophecy of the original Blade Runner. <laughs> I think people are going to like this movie in ten years. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, they will be more justified for doing so than for the original. Well, well, but maybe in ten years it'll feel stodgy. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's going to hold up. I mean, you look at this. Yeah. The, you know, the special effects of the original are actually really good, yeah. uh, considering the time frame. Yeah. Um, well, but... what, one thing that I appreciated this director doing um, is opening up space. Like the other one right. feels so claustrophobic all the time so that you just, it just kind of, you just eventually just, it, it just is part of the story. But this one, it has so much, um, you know, what is it called? Forte Dulce, where it's, it's like you have, you feel you feel claustrophobic in right. town, but then when he goes out, like outside of the town, it just opens up with the music you know when when right. he walks into the like the um that one abandoned place everything just feels so quiet and and big and lots and spacious you know right. uh so yeah i I, th I think you're right i think it could hold up better than um so how many stars original. do you give it or what what emoticon do you give it uh i agree with you that it's gonna need uh it it's almost like an emoticon where it's like this thinking like uh gaped mouth emoticon <laughs> where where uh like maybe a one eyebrow up and mouth completely open right yeah i get you yeah i think that's probably pretty accurate how do you do that with them <laughs> but uh, all right well um like I'd, I'd like to do with uh the end of all of these discussions is how can we what can we you know the so what what do we take into our own lives. How do, how do our lives become better? What do we learn from this movie? Well, I think it is kind of interesting, not intentional maybe, but uh, you know, the snowflake scene at the end, uh, we're not precious little snowflakes, you know, mm. like we, we all have a part to play in a grander story. And uh, you know, I, I get so stuck up my own butt and self-important so often where I mm. think I am uh you know, I'm the most important story. And then what that does, uh, we're not, everyone is the hero of their own story. You know, you do want to take that. You do want to take responsibility. You do want to have that, you know, individual manifesto where you do want to take, but so many people take that too far and end up just stomping on other people yeah. and, you know, making the world a worse place for other people so they can get ahead. And, uh, you know, I think this movie, you know, pushes back. It says, hey, look, a lot of what you're experiencing is an illusion. A lot of what you think is your happiness is an illusion. And um, a lot of what, you know, your grandiose ideas are illusions. Mm -hmm. so, um, I agree. I'd, especially I'd, for, a, for an entertaining film, especially for an entertaining film to have that kind of thing. That's, that's deep sci-fi. That's deep philosophy. And yeah. that is true to life. Like, we need to take a step back, be more humble, be more prudent. Mm -hmm. And uh, and really think about other people, um, and their own part to play. You know that they have a history and they have a they have heartbreak, and it's not to be scoffed at. You're right. No matter 
no matter what stage of life or, or, or what socioeconomic. Yeah. But, but in our lives also, I, I'd like to nuance that for me, it's, yeah, we're not the hero, but it's that righteousness in the mundane. Yes. Where we have to, uh, you know, we have to, uh, for me, I have to make it I statements. I have to be, I have to find value and purpose in the mundane, in the right. everyday. If, if I'm a, uh, electrician, a trash guy, you know, and, right. and in that, like, so, and in that also, uh, like you said, be aware of, of the people around me, the, the trash man, the trash lady, the electrician, what have you, you know, all right. these people around us, knowing that we all have, um, beautiful lives, you know, and important roles to play and that we can affect people's lives with that human with that human connection, we can affect people's lives for the good, our own, including, you know, right. when, as we prophesy to ourselves, you know, saying like, hey, we don't have to be the hero in the sense of like a Hollywood hero. Right. That Let's, busts down doors and steals people's cars to make no. the car chase happen. Yeah. Like, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, this this film, upon further reflection, I feel like this film fits really well into uh Dennis Villanueva's, uh, you know, body of work. Uh, every film for me, uh, mm -hmm. Prisoners may be my one of my favorite films of all time. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the Arrival for me just worked on so many levels, and all of them just are calling the individual back to a more humble and loving and uh, you know others focused, uh, self sacrificing view of the world, and that mm -hmm. is. And in a world like Blade Runner 2049, I mean, yeah. think about how hard it would be to be that kind of person in that world. I mean, get yeah. any fleshly pleasure you want and everything yeah. sucks, you know? So like, what are you going to do? And, and well, I mean, we're getting the dystopian elements of that are rising in our world mm -hmm. and, you know, the technological innovations rising in our world at the same time. So, you know, we live in Brave New World, you know, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, where we can get any, you know, any pleasure, any consumption, that can lull us into a sleep and just mm -hmm. make it think, make us think it's all about us. Um, and so, yeah, I think this movie is a good mirror. I think it's a good mirror to say, Hey, there's a bigger picture here. There are other people around you. Uh, even when it gets bad, you need to do the right thing. And, and I think mm -hmm. in the end, uh, I feel like, uh, Gosling's character does the right thing. I think he, I think he loves other people at the, by the end of it. I agree. I, uh, I uh, I think I've I've come to love the movie more <laughs> through our discussion. So I appreciate appreciate your insight and well, uh, you know, welcome, a, welcome to the heresy that that thinks this movie is better than the original. So <laughs> next movie we're going to see is Prometheus. No, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I love that movie. It, really. I love it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did. I mean, and everyone I watch it with hates it. And no matter how much hate gets poured on, I watch it with my dad. He hated it because every you know people do so many stupid things in that movie. Um, but I keep trying to remind people that this is a prequel to Aliens. No yeah. one knows the xenomorph alien exists. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. And in the original Alien, they do so many stupid things. They go after. <laughs> they know this thing's on the ship. They saw a bust out of a dude's chest. Yeah. And yeah. they run around the ship looking for the stupid cat. I, like, I, are you kidding me? And, look, and, and I give you. They don't know that. I, I give you, I give you crap. But really, I, um, I remember the first time I watched it. I've bought in more to the criticism of it. I, you know. Uh, I've speaking of redaction, you know, like I've right. gone back and because I remember the video I did right after watching, it, I was super excited about the movie. I really enjoyed it. So, 
Yeah. I I I, well, I guess maybe we should call this heresy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, no, the next time maybe I take over and we just talk about Prometheus and I try to convert everyone to falling in love with Prometheus. All right. Uh, maybe uh, if you're if you're up for that, I'm <laughs> up for that. Yeah. Let's talk about Prometheus. I think it's All good. Right. Let's do it. I think there's a lot uh, like this movie. I think there's a lot to to glean from it. That's a J.J. Abrams movie, right? Or no, no, that's oh, uh, no, it's Ridley Dad, Scott. Lin, no, but it's uh, Damon Lindelof. What? Yeah. Prometheus? I don't think so. Is yeah, it? I think he took over the script and like rewrote it or something like that. Um well I guess we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Uh no, he no, really yeah. Scott uh directed it. Lindelof helped write it. Okay, yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. Maybe right. uh Lindelof's best Lindelof. work. Maybe Lindelof's best work. <laughs> Okay. Where, where do you fit on that spectrum? I, I have we had the lost conversation? Uh we should. We oh, should. Man. Jeez, no. Just I, uh, the building. I uh Oh, okay. Well, I got to go. Okay. But let's uh let's meet back here next week. Um yeah, we'll talk about the okay. but, but for those of you listening uh, for the world, we sign off saying uh good good discussion. I feel like I'm a better man because of it. Yeah, me too. Let's go and continue to, what is it called? Oh, yeah. Reverse, <laughs> reverse, reverse redact. redact yes, art let's do life. it. All right, brother. All right, bye. Bye. And we want to say ta-ta for now to you, uh, anybody who's listening. And remember to check out The Surfing Violinist on YouTube. That's youtube.com backslash the surf, or is it forward slash The Surfing Violinist. And you can also check out Ford on Twitter at at Ford like the car. So tune in next week for another episode as we reverse redact.